you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Not that I'm against people having a beer. It's just it is it feels wrong to me. It feels yeah. wrong. So, but I, I thought there were two things that the Disneyland couldn't do that the Anaheim original park couldn't do because of things that they had negotiated. The first one was um, they can't rebuild the monorail because of the way the the struts are built. It's Kalosha. Yeah, it's it's, and it's 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 not Anaheim. Is it's, it not okay? It's the state. And then the other one was they'd have to renegotiate everything. If, was if grand- they wanted if they wanted to serve alcohol, they have to renegotiate. It was grandfathered in. Yeah. The, now that now that that might be an extra thing, but believe yeah. me, it, it it. I mean, my guess is, and Club Thirty Two, Club, Club Thirty Three, Thirty Three, um, built on the ashes of Club Thirty Two. Moment of silence. No, um, there was no such thing. Right, there was never a club thirty-two. Not that we can talk about. Um, but the uh, but the um, club thirty-two is a private club, right? Right. So that and that, that's the and that's, that's the, the way around the that. hook. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Thursday the thirteenth. It's always always a great day for me. Is it? Yeah. It always, Friday the 13th always been a great day for me, too. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, of course, this year, uh, we're at 2017, fr- first Friday Trisca the 13th. Fantastico. Because it's the day that Netflix unleashes a series of unfortunate events. Ah, uh, so you can binge nice. watch with Neil Patrick Harris as nice. Count Olaf. That's not in our news tonight. That's what's beautiful about my saying it there. So this is Derek. And, of course, across from me, literally hosting in the Brett Cave, especially if you followed our Facebook page. Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. Podcast producer explode. extraordinaire. No, it's still not working. No. Um, Wait till it explodes. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> if you want to carry your punchline all the way through to destroying all your expensive equipment as an excuse to have to get new expensive equipment. No! Boom. I can't say that I don't understand, uh, but for the sake of of peace, for the next hour at least, I uh, I cannot I cannot endorse this viewpoint. I understand. All right, so uh, <laughs> we've got uh, I hope an exciting show tonight. We're going to have a special guest to talk about WorldCon in San Jose. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, um, and uh, so they had to rest up after the campaign. And uh, and we just got busy. I don't want to. I don't want to put it on them because those guys just keep going and going and They're going. They're still busy. Yeah, uh, this was totally. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's my fault. Um, let's take a moment for that into the woods number. So it's your fault. Uh, yeah. It was you did. Uh, anyway, uh, the debate song. I, that's all we can do without having to pay ASCAP. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Kevin Roche and Andy Tremblay are coming tonight to speak. And in fact, the, this is one of those time warp ones again. I'll, I'll admit. We was, we're going to, we'll be speaking with them. Right have now. done that soon. Uh, they have shown up. We are indeed having, as I had hoped, cocktails with Kevin and Andy. <laughs> so, chin, I, chin. I'd subtitled this uh, Cocktails with Worldcon uh, 2018. So, oh, we're going to clink. clink. Uh, and thank you to Debbie Brett Schneider. 
for making the margaritas. And uh, so we're here with Kevin Roche and Andy Tremblay, who are the organizers, the hosts, the masters of WorldCon 76, well, which is in San Jose in be, 2000. So, so Kevin is the chair of the convention, chair. And, and I am now out of a job because my job what? is over. Well, my job is not completely over, but... The the bid is over. The campaign is over. You were the we have won. Head of the bid so committee. I was the bid chair, yeah. which is now a superfluous job. He's now my G Suite manager. Ooh, okay, I like that. All right, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk first about the process. Now, when when uh, Rick came back from Mid American, uh, we did talk a little bit about what had happened there, but not in terms of your efforts to bring Worldcon back to San Jose. Of course, the phone is ringing. Of course, and I'll I'll trigger Alexa at some yeah. point early, as I did earlier. Um, Thank you, no more Robo. <laughs> killed it after one ring. <laughs> so let's let's t- you know talk about that. What 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 is the process to no, clean, let's get a clean start? We haven't been into, into it that long. Where 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 were we? Um, I think instead of going into uh, Mid American, you want to talk about what Worldcon is first. All right, let's mm-hmm. establish. So let's talk about what Worldcon is. Why, thank you for asking. Uh, it was more of a so, statement, but all right. Go ahead. It's, it, was, it was implied as a question. It's true. So the, the nutshell version is Worldcon is one of the oldest science fiction conventions around. Um, it is the oldest traveling science fiction convention around. The first one was in 1939. It's been in a different city every year since, except for those four or five years that it was shut down for World War Two. Fair um, enough. They used to do that when we had a war. Let's yeah. call that the oldest established permanent floating science it's fiction the, convention. It's, it is I'm the, going to set that to music. It, it's the oldest established permanent floating science convention yeah. in <laughs> the world. But yeah, so, and there is... the, the, the process music. Yeah. The process, it can be arranged. Yeah. But the process for selecting where Worldcon is has changed over the years. Uh, back in the early days when people still smoked, it was a smoke-filled room. Um, but people don't smoke anymore. Uh, back in the uh, 70s, might have it been the late 60s. by Game of Risk? They, uh, they actually switched over to having a vote for who was going to uh, host it, uh, a vote by the members of the convention. Um, and that's what we've been doing various variations of ever since. So, in the, the current incarnation, yeah. the site is voted on two years in advance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, assuming that groups have gotten their act together and actually filed formal bids uh, before the spring deadline, then um, made arrangements with their hotels, that kind of stuff. But the important part is, if you have filed uh, a bid, then uh, there's a minimum distance from the host city that those bids must be in. Mm. So that is the idea there is to keep Worldcon traveling so it doesn't... Uh, so it doesn't in, get stuck in one place. In particular, uh, as long as there are people bidding, it can't like alternate between San Jose and New York because every alternate year people in those towns would vote for their town. Right. Because of the exclusion zone, that doesn't happen. Right. Okay. So, I mean... 
because next year, the 2017 one is Helsinki, right? That's correct. And that's Worldcon 75. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, San Jose is 2018. How far in advance when you had to file that bid? So you went in 2016, and there were at least three conventions that I'm aware of where voting or or you had tables at least. Uh, I'm sure there are more. Oh. We've had we've been doing tables for two years and some, but the actual filing deadline was back in the beginning of February. So okay. tables where you set up and you so so promote. we've been we've been campaigning for two years, okay. but the filing deadline to be official was in February, and everybody does their filing usually last minute or about two or three days before last minute to let paperwork get corrected because that that. Once you file, the paperwork is pretty much frozen. Uh, that gives you the most time to talk with venues and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. other things, and so. be able to have as much information on the on the website of the convention that's hosting the vote, and have as much information on the actual printed ballots as you can. Right. So I just wanted to make sure listeners understood in yeah. terms of a campaign, it's much longer than just. Before, just you filed and went, or woke up one day and said, "That's it. We're filing. We're ready." You know. Well, I, and but the, but sometimes there's minor digression. There is when Worldcon is not in North America, there is a North American science fiction convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since Worldcon is in Helsinki next year, there was an election to pick where the North American science fiction convention was for 2017. And it is, and it is San Juan, Puerto Rico, Excellent. which is. Not in the continental U.S., but is in the U.S., which has freaked out a few people. Uh, And probably just educated a few. And educated a few. North America, not the U.S. Well, true. No, no, but I mean, it's the, it's, it's. No, that's all there is in North America. But it it is specifically, Puerto Rico is part of the U.S., but not part of the continental U.S., which has been an education for some people. It's a lovely island, an island Um, of tropical breezes. Yes. Um, but <laughs> but at the last literally swim up bars literally at the last minute right before the filing deadline a dark horse candidate Valley Forge Pennsylvania entered the race and they only campaigned from mid February on they were brand new uh, San Juan has been campaigning since about this time last year because you don't know if there's going to be an asfic unless there's an unopposed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm non-North American Worldcon bid. So last year there was the monster four-way race from hell and they didn't know that there was going to be an asphyx. How for was 20- the hell bid? I mean, that was... Well, the voting was in the perfect <laughs> setting. Yeah. Uh, Mordor. Yeah. We did, we, did this, we did this thing last year. Um, but no, so basically the four-way race, because we didn't know, we had two North American candidates, two non-North American candidates. There was no knowing if there was going to be a need for an asphyx. Until Spokane was over, and about two months after Spokane was over, uh, San Juan entered the race, and then, but the uh, but uh, Valley Forge didn't enter until the last minute. It should so just to it, clear clear up the in jokes. Spokane was the smoky convention because of the fires that were there were forest fires on the town. There were forest fires on three sides of the city. Um, so it did, in fact, it was, turn into hell. Yes, okay. it was Smokan. Mm-hmm. Um, it Mordor. was pretty. Br- I didn't think Beijing won their Worldcon bid. Yeah. So, 
I was going to ask that because I know that's been one of the things that I as they I knew Beijing had entered at one point because I found that very interesting. Beijing entered against Kansas City for this year, and they actually broke three digits on the number of votes they got, but it was a over thousand ballot race, so they did not break ten percent. Um, but still, that was actually moderately impressive for again they were a last minute entry. They entered about five minutes before the filing deadline. It's not always about convenience of getting someplace. It's about an excuse to go on a trip, yeah. too, for a lot of people. But the but it's also a, a lot of voters are paying attention to how the campaign goes, mm-hmm. and they and they use this to gauge how organized the people who are campaigning are. Which I think is and fair. Dropping in th- and, and dropping into the race at the last minute is not necessarily a sign that you're organized. So mm-hmm. it is still... Not necessarily a terrible thing. The uh, previous campaign for Finland started at the Worldcon in Chicago one year before the vote, and they came very, very close to winning. But that's a lot of digression there. Um, where were we before we digressed? <laughs> so now that we've gotten the background is how the campaign goes. Yeah. Way but let's talk about what does Worldcon long, celebrate? Yeah, we've talked about oh. the Helsinki formula for success, but, but it now is, yours... Uh, but it was about how long is the campaign. And for world cons, you may have people who campaign. We, we campaigned for approximately two years. The um, folks who were campaigning for Dublin, Ireland for uh, 2019, they have actually been campaigning already for three or four years because it's a new country to bring world con to. And they really, really want to build up buzz and so mm-hmm. they've been putting in a long, long campaign to make this happen. And the folks who are bidding for New Zealand in 2020, for very much the same reasons, have been campaigning for several years And now. then we're back to Mordor. Well done. Yeah. Well, the Shire. The Shire. Well, yeah, but that was, wasn't that filmed in, in New Zealand? It too? was filmed in New Zealand. Well, yeah. yeah, that was one of, one of my comments has been, well, Ireland is running opposed because Americans love Ireland. And nobody wants to run against Ireland because that would be stupid. And a large chunk of the voting block is American. And there is also a large chunk of the of voting block that's European now. And so those two things together is pretty much a win. New Zealand is also beloved by Americans, partially by because of the halo from Australia and partially because of Peter Jackson. So a running against New Zealand would be dumb, which is why they're also unopposed. Mm. So, um, so we're looking forward to Dublin, Ireland, and New Zealand because the only competition for Dublin, uh, Ireland is Dublin, California. And as Linda Wenzelberger once put it, where is Dublin, Dublin, California? Nowhere you want to be. Is that a serious bid or a hoax bid? That's a hoax bid, along with Dublin, Georgia and Dublin, Texas and uh, various other Dublins who are running against Dublin. I was hoping, but you know, in 2016, I can't take anything for granted. I mean, remember, you're talking to the men who who bid Casa de Fruta for a Worldcon. And won. Uh, no, and lost. No, no, you lost for the we Worldcon. We bid Granzella's Deli for a Westercon and won. <laughs> yes, okay, there we go. I knew that there had been one that it was involved. Uh, anyway. But back to your question about what is Worldcon. <laughs> <laughs> What because is? now we've talked about campaigning for Worldcon. Now so, let's let's just speak so, existential. Uh, so for me, and I get to, I get to put on my chair hat and and talk here. Worldcon is it's a nice hat. Is my gathering. It looks the, like a chair. My gathering of the tribes, uh, where all of the different things I love, which are books and stories and film and comics, and art and music, all the fans and the makers of that stuff come together and get to build a weekend together. 
And while I've been to media conventions where the focus is on the actors and the stuff, what I love about Worldcon is it's about the people. And it's mm-hmm. about meeting meeting other members of the tribe. And Worldcon is our chance to to not balkanize it into a whole bunch of little tiny conventions, but encourages many different fans of different ilk mm-hmm. to get together and realize what they have in common and have some fun together. It's the Lois McMaster Bujold says, why aren't you doing a co- doing any costumes based on my Vorkosigan books? And the answer is, um, hold on, let me pull this out and I'm going to read you this section and you're going to pay attention to how much you've described the clothing. Oh. And then she wrote Cetaganda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which was all about how the Cetagandans dressed and wore their <laughs> makeup to show their to show their uh, um, to to show their status. It's also the convention where the guy playing cosplaying George R. R. Martin in the bar is probably George, George R. 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 Martin <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that can also be found at Comic Con because he's he's like the god there right now. So, uh, but before he had a TV show, that's uh, there we go. Yes, and George shows up to Worldcon on his own nickel, and at Comic Con. Oh, no, I know. No, he's on the balcony. It's like the Pope making the appearance of the piazza going, Who's that standing next to Bob? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. So you you won at Mid-AmericaCon. So what can we uh, look forward to? Because we we have talked about what that convention was. Let's talk about what's coming in the future. Do you have to... I know you want to go to Helsinki. Do you need to do anything and represent in Helsinki? We absolutely have to be in Helsinki. Okay. Uh, we do not know yet how um, parties or meet and greets or receptions or whatever the correct hospitality term will be will be handled in, in Helsinki. But we are expected to have um, a visible information presence, a visible hospitality presence. And, in fact, tradition holds that we – organize the Hugo Losers Party because so. the, the year following is – tradition has, has become yeah. that the following year hosts the Hugo Losers Party, which is a party after the Hugos are over for all the nominees who didn't take a statue home. And people who go to both typically mm-hmm. say the Loser Party is the more fun party to be at anyway, right? If it's, if it's done right, it definitely is. But and if you guys are yeah. hosting, it will be It'll done be right. Right. Well, but we have, sna- we, we have some snags because – Oh, no. There's the first thing. Europe is different. Um, at North it's like America, a whole other country. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's a like, whole like a whole bunch of different countries. But the oh uh, wait, yeah. But it's so so. There is a basic thing in at European conventions. You do not have the same kind of tradition of room parties that you do in America. Oh, interesting. Because at European conventions, European hotel rooms are small. You can't true, really fit true. as many people in them. European liquor taxes are high, um, and for a for a British convention. Now I'm not I I have not seen how this works on the on the continent, but for a British convention, American conventions pay for their space by how many hotel rooms people reserve and stay in, and how many nights they're staying. At a British convention, you pay for your space by how much money you make in the bar. So throwing a party at a British convention. And throwing an open party is competing against what is paying for the space. Now, that said... That's just bad form. We it, found a solution well, in that's, Manchester. Yeah. But that said, you get... You, we had a party you know, in the bar yeah. in Manchester. Because they have, they have this thing called... They have this thing that... The, again, they have this thing that the uh, Brits refer to as the fan bar. And the fan bar is a, is a bar in a, in a uh, hotel conference lobby 
or and, a function room or a function room or wherever the hotel wants to set it up and it is often usually someone will organize with the hotel and with local breweries to have local craft ale and you'll get a pint for four pounds which is i mean it's a chunk of money but it's actually a pretty good price in in, in britain yeah, yeah sure and you spend all day and all night drinking and the conventions never have to worry about not making enough sales to pay for their space. But throwing parties against that is 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 complicated. We actually found a way to help people buy their buy their pints and that was the way that we talked up our yeah, our we had, plans we had, in we had chits Britain. that we gave out that were worth part of the cost of a yeah. pint. Okay. And so we said if we'd like to help buy your next drink, yeah. let us tell you about our convention. Yeah. So clever. But yeah, so because but because of that Parties at European conventions are complicated. They're more complicated in Finland because I've been told the liquor laws in Finland say you cannot give away your own alcohol in a facility that has a liquor license to sell alcohol. You can buy a liquor from the facility and give it away. I think I'm not even certain on that one. Or you can go somewhere where they don't have a liquor license that is set up for basically bring your own bottle and do stuff like that. But it is going to complicate the way that we do parties. And also, liquor taxes in Finland are expensive. So we're waiting to see how parties will work, yeah. and then we solve okay. the problem once we know how that goes. Well, yeah. let's look to 2018. We're in San Jose at the convention center. We are throwing something that is very much a traditional North American Worldcon. We have a hotel with a great contract where we can have room parties. So we will have, be able to have people come in and have room parties there, and that's something that made a lot of people happy. And in our contract, it says it's normal behavior for us to congregate in hotel hallways. And talk. Okay. Oh, very good. And just because a lot of our listeners are not going to know about what what's a room party like. I mean, if I'm if I'm the first time at Worldcon and somebody says there's a room party in room 6142. It could be as simple as, it could be as simple as some fans have their door open and have a few bowls of snacks, and they have some bottles of beer and some bottles of booze, and just come by and, and chat about in. something and wander in and have a chat with them. Um, it could be a group going and saying, yeah, we're going to decorate up a room and do something fancy. Um, it could be as crazy as completely transforming the room into a, a, a Klingon watering hole. Like I was going to ask, Klingons or no? I know they've been uh, controversial. Uh I love the Klingons. They may drive me crazy once in a while, but I love the Klingons. And if they are going to come and do a party at our convention, they're welcome to. The evil geniuses are on very good terms yeah. with the Klingons. Excellent. Yeah. Because yeah, I do love me some evil geniuses. So, so the, the room parties at the root, the open room parties, which is what we're talking about, um, have evolved. It's one of these traditions that's evolved at North American conventions where some members of the convention will – have a party in their room that is open to other members. So it's not a private party where you invite three friends and you have a bottle of booze. Or 12 right. friends. Um, or 30 friends, it's, but it's still a closed door. And so now in the contracts, we make a point of blocking those rooms together in a zone in the hotel so people who don't want to be around parties don't have to be. It, it's reasonable. And uh, But it also means that we have to get things in the contract that make it possible to have these parties without having them shut down. One of them is this non-conforming use of it's okay to congregate in the hallways. Yeah, because that is a, that's a, not a normal need. use yeah. of, a but hotel. it is a need for a convention. Yeah, right. Absolutely, and well, for a party floor. And if there's a noise complaint, the hotel comes to comes to our operations team first before 
going and addressing the noise complaint so that we can make sure that it's done in a way that as many people at the end are as happy as they possibly can be, because mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone who's unhappy at a noise complaint. Sure. But sure. let's talk um, about guests. You know, we, okay. Should we, can you name the hotel by the way? Oh should yes. We, yes. About we can name all kinds of things. Then yes. Name them. So our, our host hotels, the party hotel is the Marriott attached to the convention center, the mm-hmm. McHenry convention, the McHenry center. convention center and the Marriott San Jose. And then at the other end of the convention center is the Hilton. Yes. Also connected. Yes. Yeah. Also connected. And that is not a party hotel, but we have, um, do we have run of house of both? I believe we have run of house contracts for both of them. So we okay. basically. But the party hotel is the Marriott. Is the Marriott. The Marriott. The Marriott and, and the Marriott is used to us. Um, the Marriott is where Furcon and. Uh, Gamer X was there once. Um, we had two Nebula. We had a Nebula Awards weekend there once. Mm-hmm. Uh I think a Nebula Awards weekend was during one Big Wow comic fest. Yes, I think we, yes. yeah, Nebula Awards two was. years two years in a row. The Nebula Awards and Big Wow were the same weekend, so we used the hotel rooms that Big Wow didn't use. Nice. So, so the the staff and the hotels and the convention center are really familiar with fanish events, with fan run fanish events, which are different than some right. Of the, no, absolutely. Than some of the commercial. Events. And of course, we have to have a big shout out to our friend Christine at Team San Jose, who helps make all of this possible um she's been working with us for many years excellent um, that's great so, uh so do we know guests we Can know we some of our guests some i I, right. I i implied the some yes all right so um to start with we have um three living guests of honor um already named and two posthumous guests um our author guests of honor first is uh chelsea quinn yarbrough mm-hmm. who is a local writer uh, so best, I did not know. Best known for the uh, Saint Germain, Saint Germain vamp- novels. vampire novels. Yes. Uh, um, that someone, she's still writing in that line. Yes. Wow. Uh, I met her when she uh, released the first book because um, I was living in Berkeley at the time, which is where, where she lives. And she's really looking forward to, to coming down and not just being able to drive from home and then stay mm-hmm. at the hotel with us. So she's really looking forward to that. And I'm thrilled that we got to be That's the people great. to honor and, her. And, I mean, she's utterly charming and an excellent writer. Uh, and her her particular brand of fantasy is something that I'm not sure has been recognized at the Worldcon before. And to be, to be clear, although you don't actually have, you know, you can't just run up to any of these people. You have a lot more access to these celebrity writers and and people than you would at like a Comic Con, for yes. example. Yeah. Yes, there are there will be autograph sessions. Do you have teams of enforcers keeping uh, you know a circle around the celebrity guests? No. No. Yeah. Every guest will have a liaison, and there will be people available if to respond if there is an incident. Yeah. If but there are fans have, behaving badly. But that uh, usually doesn't happen. Part of that is, and one of the reasons, actually, is that Worldcon really does, has built up this community membership model, mm-hmm. where the weekend is the result of what we all do together. And the so pros are fans, too. I mean, they are as, they they are pay as much, in. they are as much fans, uh, they are as much fans... Sure. As the folks who are not professionally publishing science fiction and fantasy. Oh, I understand that. So, 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 so the expectation is yeah. we all pay to help pay for the room, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we paid for the barn, and together we put on a show. And that means you Thank do you, have... Thank you, Andy Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, laugh all you want, but it really I'm is not the difference. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, it's, the, it... On the few occasions I've gone to a Comic-Con, and um, I've always been impressed with the the level, the urge for acquisition that I perceive in so many of the people there. And I don't see yeah. that at Worldcon. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that's very fair. That's very fair. I, I yeah, that is an interesting difference. Right, Beyond we, Chelsea Queen yeah. Arbro, well, our other our our other author guest, and I'm really thrilled about this because his work um, kind of changed my life when I discovered it. Is Spider Robinson? No, oh, very nice. And um, we are thrilled that we persuaded him to accept our invitation to be guest. He's he's moved to uh, Western Canada, so he actually is can make a road trip of it, which he's already told us he wants to do. Spider mm-hmm. mostly known for the Callahan's... The uh, Callahan's cross-type cross cross But also um, Stardance and the other mm-hmm. works that he uh, wrote with his late wife, Jeannie. Yep. And, uh, and uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, we get to be the ones to, to, to honor him as mm-hmm. a Worldcon guest of honor. Because I thought somebody else was going to snap him up before we get <laughs> and you, you. And you got it. That, that's great. Because, I mean, that's the other thing I want to say is you as a fan. I... Just because this isn't coming across on a podcast, but I can see your eyes really just lit up yeah. when when you said that. I mean, and that's that I love is is the, this is coming from the heart of fandom and someone who really you know that that's great. And so, isn't there something about a guitar as well? Well, Spider Spider's a musician, and he's actually a pretty damn good musician. But he doesn't travel with his guitar anymore, even when he's doing a road trip, because. It's an old Gibson Dreadnought. It's it's a uh, it's a beast. I mean, it's a the beautiful lady guitar. Is, the lady is too fragile to travel with, and so what part of the one of the conditions was that we find a suitable guitar for him to be able to play when he when the mood struck him. He was great. here, and uh, there are no shortage of. Uh, we have people with connections. Yes, there are no shortage of fans who've already said, uh, "We'll make sure that please happens. let my guitar be touched <laughs> yeah. by Spider Robinson." Um, who else is coming? Less that than. I have a guitar that yeah. he will be happy with. Okay, and that's that difference is important. Yes. You know, we 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 want an instrument that that's that's yeah. been loved and is being loaned so that it can uh, yes. can be played. And then we, our fan guests of honor, are a couple, Pierre and Sandy Pettinger, who are very well known in costume circles. Uh, they've also been active in a whole bunch of other fan activities, uh, a couple of different appas. Uh, costume APA, and then the Costume and Masquerade APA, which formed later on. Okay. Okay. Costume and Masquerade was actually a fanzine more than an APA, I thought. It was still multiple. Again, still, for listeners, an APA is... An amateur, amateur Publishing Association. Every member, you have to be a member, and every period, every issue, uh, everybody has to write their chapter. And, and then, print their chapter and send and, it in and multiple And then you copies. send it to uh, to the... The official editor. The official editor who assembles it into a book and mails yeah. them out. Okay. So, and I was actually a member of the Costume Mapper for a while, too. Um, yeah, this is, this is before, before computer bulletin boards, <laughs> before Facebook. Let's before, go back, kids, to the days be, of the copy. Before Adobe Mimeographs. <laughs> Mimeographs. <laughs> yeah, here's the, before Facebook, when you put what you were doing into a, st- into a status update, you used to take and put you what you were doing Onto a few pages of paper, and you have 30 of your friends and print off 30 copies. And if it was a local thing, you all get together at someone's house and have a bit of lunch. And you would go and collate those issues it's together. Primitive. Well, and then there was the real cut and paste if you wanted to illustrate what you were writing. Yes. And in Costume Mappa, yeah. that happened. So if you needed figures, you drew them and you cut them out and you pasted them onto the master page before you made your copies. <laughs> it was real cut and paste. And the best thing ever was having a friend who worked at Kinko's. Yes, yes at least this, at least this 
was after the day, the dawn of photocopying. So we we had a, yeah because you used to do the, this uh, this kind of thing actually has been happening since before there were conventions. Uh, there were fanzines and appas with yeah. The earliest fanzine in Appas that I know of, and we have wandered Sherlock, down the rabbit hole again. We're Sherlock yes. Holmes fanzine so, in Appas back in the early 1900s. So let's get back to let's get back the to. Pettingers. So you said living guests. Yeah. We have well, let's, let's, let's finish up with the Pettingers. Dave, though, so. I wasn't sure if we were finished. Nope, we, yeah, we got into Appas. So it's my uh, fault. Yeah. Pierre is also one of the archivists for the International Customers Guild. Oh, so he and he and Sandy are up to their eyeballs in fan history, and they both worked on many conventions. Both. Uh, on the masquerade and costume program, uh, Pierre was one of the vice uh, vice chairs, vice chairs, vice chairs, vice chairs of, uh, of Spokane. Of Spokane, and so. he's one of the people who keeps on losing his Never Again Club membership with Costume Con. He's now chaired or co-chaired three of them. Yeah, that's the Never Again Club, and he keeps on forgetting. Yeah, my version of the Never Again Club is I just move on to a bigger convention. Well, that's mm. normal though. <laughs> it's the the Never Again Club though is the. Oh my God! It was it was a crazy amount of work doing this one. I'm never going to run this convention again. But I'll help someone else who's crazy enough to do it. And coming back to the guests of honor, yes. Um, so our first ghost of honor, and there's a grand tradition of Bay Area conventions of having ghosts of honor, or fictional characters of honor, or something yes, like that. Okay. So our first ghost Usually of honor ghosts. is is Edgar Pangborn, who was a seminal '60s science fiction writer. Oh, uh, before that, even yes, f- '50s and '60s. Uh, Spider actually suggested it. And it took us about 30 seconds to realize, well, duh. And yeah, um, Spider worked with Pangborn's widow on editing some collections of his work and getting it, getting him back in the okay. print. So that, but that was, that was a really, really good choice. And then our other, our host of honor. And this one I know, and, and you guys almost made me cry when I saw this announcement. Seriously. Is, so. is Bob Wilkins, uh, the late Bob Wilkins who hosted, among other things, creature features here in the uh, mm-hmm. Sacramento and and Greater Bay Area, yes, as well as a number of primetime kids science fiction shows in the afternoon. Yes, indeed. Uh, Captain San Francisco, Captain, Captain Cosmic. Cosmic, and Captain San Francisco. Mm. There were two shows. Oh. One of them had a rocket. One of them had a flying saucer. Yeah, Cosmic was a flying saucer. Yes. Yeah. I he judged a co- Captain Cosmic judged a, a costume contest. The only time I entered one, which was lame, just because I wanted to meet Bob Wilkins. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I went to Stadler. You know, there are worse reasons. Uh, yeah, totally. And uh, so, I mean, Bob was a local treasure because not only did he do all these shows, but he was out there working with the community. Uh, he he loved to meet fans, and uh, I remember discovering him on late night television. With creature features, and, and I just I, I do need to call this out and correct because I'm sorry I was Waldorf and my friend Philip, who I know listens to the podcast, was Statler. So you know, that was, <laughs> let's exactly. make sure we get that right. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, because he's listening. Going, Wait a minute, I was there too. No, yes, I know you were. <laughs> yes, and we, we we sadly lost Bob to yes. complications from Alzheimer's, and uh, during the later years of his life, when he was um, uh, in care, um, SFSFC, which is our parent corporation, actually. Uh, donated to the the funds to help take for care his of hospice Bob. care. So um, I'm really glad that that uh, we have him there too. We're in fact, if you're if there are members of the family who happen across this podcast, we're still trying to get in touch with you. We want to make sure that we do this in a way that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a great deal of love and respect for Bob's memory, and we want to make sure that 
that you all are happy with what we do with it. I would assume, are you guys in, in contact with John Stanley? So far, we've had no answers to any of the messages mm-hmm. we sent out. So, Okay, John, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> reach out as well. John's been on the podcast before. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, – no, he's local and a lot of, and he's kept the flame burning. I don't know if he was he at uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, but uh, I think we always ran into him at Big Wow. Big Wow, that's what I say. I mean, it, it was absorbed, so he he used to. I competed against his daughter in a. He was at Silicon Valley Comic Con. Okay, good. So if nothing else, we can, many years ago, we so. can hit him up at Silicon mm-hmm. Valley Comic Con. But uh, you know, and if if people don't know how great Bob Wilkins was, there are a couple of documentaries floating around. You can pick up on Amazon. Um, and find uh, keep America great. Watch more. Watch horror movies. I think was keep America no. strong. Keep America watch strong. More hor- watch, watch more horror films. films. Keep, keep America, America strong. strong. I know. I have the documentary. I know. I've watched it. I love it. And uh, there's a reason. There's a reason that the vote Dublin, California, in 2019. One of the vote Dublin in 2019 ribbons is keep America strong. Mm. Uh, we are we are hoping to have both an exhibit um, and a short and a film festival. Uh, oh, awesome! You know, we we need a creature features run. This all depends on negotiating all the rights to show the films, of course. But those are among on our wish list for things to have happen at WorldCon seventy six. You guys, yeah, they're making me cry, and it's not the margarita. Uh, <laughs> it's just it takes me back to childhood and hanging out on the weekends and margarita? watching the show. Oh, but yeah. So th- those the are, margarita takes um, them back to childhood. <laughs> Absolutely, my okay. parents were horrible. So, no. so those are the guests we've announced so far. Um, we are pursuing a couple of more. I'm um, sure there'll be more as we get closer. Um, we have some. We have some pie in the sky guest candidates who are very difficult to reach, and that's why we haven't. That's why we haven't announced anything more yet. Because, yeah, they're they're going to be. We have to get them to talk. They're going to gonna be. Tr- they're going to be tricky to actually even contact. But, oh my God, if we get them, people will go. What the hell were you thinking? And then we'll give them the list. It's like, oh, that's what you were thinking. All right, cool. Well, so, one of them mystery. Will, one of them will be one of them will be. What the hell you were, were you thinking that you could get this guest if we get him? But but if you get him, it's all it comes out in the wash. Yeah, That's yeah. good. Uh, I I don't even want to speculate because if I'm right, then I'll feel kind of weird that you know that I was right. You're spec that you were looking for. It's the zombie Bob Keishan. That's exactly what I was going to say. No, I. So if somebody's interested in the in, in the convention and they want to get tickets. I'm sorry, I'm still parsing the zombie Bob Keith. You, you mean memberships? Memberships. Well, memberships, yes. Because Registration. How do they how do they get he's so formal? Registered and what are their options? So right now, uh, if you've if you're starting from scratch, it's easy. If you're buying a new membership, we have two kinds, basically. We have what's called a supporting membership, and that's you know you can't go, but you want to be able to be involved in the process. Pay for the hotel. Well, what? to help no, pay for the hotel. Well, what it means supporting membership lets you uh, vote mm-hmm. in the site selection process for 2020. It lets you nominate and vote for the 2018 Hugo Awards, which are presented at Worldcon. And it also means that you will get a print copy of the memory book. That yeah. by the way, I'm going to make a commitment now that I will read at least one nominee for the 2018 Hugos. I've ne- I don't think I've read if, any of them in so, the last five years. So here is a we can't guarantee anything, but we have a goal, and this is a goal that every Worldcon has had for several years. Uh, this was started by John Scalzi. Uh-huh. Uh He he decided that 
he wanted to help Worldcon voters be better informed voters. And he actually negotiated the first one, and I think the second one, um, of the Hugo Voter Packet. So supporting and attending members, this all depends on the, this all depends on publishing houses making the works available. Is that but, before Brad did the CDs? Brad uh, starts with a T. Tart. No, no, that's that's this was that was that was long ago. Yeah, and that was that was that was not that happened like once or twice. Well, let's okay. let's not spider web no, on it. The point. So, but is, yeah, so the basic sure, thing sure. the basic thing is that if the if the publishers participate. You get a packet with as many of the Hugo nominees as the publishers are willing to supply, which means generally you get all of the short story nominations, the novella and novelette um, nominations, because most of those are published in magazines and the uh, and the magazines are willing to make mm-hmm. those available to the members. You will get at least a. So I can I can read yeah. at least one short. Story. Yeah, you'll get you'll you may get a subset of the of the novels, or you may get some full novels and some excerpts. Uh, last year, year before, when Wheel of Time was up as a single work. Oh yeah. When Wheel of Time was up for All as a single 15, work, 16 volumes, thirteen volumes, thirteen volumes. The uh, yeah, uh, Tor actually did an omnibus ebook edition of all of the Wheel of Time that was included in the Hugo Voters Packet. Wow! So now this is not a guarantee. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I understand. It's, it's, but, it's but more important, something I hear even more often is people tell me they're not qualified to nominate or they're not qualified to vote in the Hugos. If you read speculative fiction of any kind and you like it, you are qualified. Mm-hmm. The nomination process is not it's it's what do you think is the best. It's not I've read everything in the world and these are absolutely the best. It's these are the things that I liked this it's year. It's your opinion, not I've, a test. Exactly. I've read this story, I've watched this TV show, I've read this book, I've watched this movie, I have read this fanzine, I saw this person's deviant art page, um, I saw this person's artwork in a fanzine or in a dealer's room, and I think that they are not only good, they are good and deserving of award. That's that is what the nomination process is. What have you what have you enjoyed enough that you think you liked it and you think it's excellent quality? And you want to share it with the and world so they all mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so, and voting voting is if you can find if you have the packet, if it's available in the packet, or if you go out and buy copies um to supplement the stuff that's not in the packet. It's the what do you think in this list is best, mm-hmm. um, and or in some cases, is there anything in this list that's any good? So if you if you are a fan, if you consume science fiction, speculative fiction in any of its forms that's covered by the awards, you are qualified to nominate. And vote. Well, I can't even think of what form is not covered by these awards. Quilts. Uh, interpreted uh, video games, games. tapestries, actually oh, well, video, video games. games. But that's interesting. Now, maybe that could be though. The, the they tried, did they? Yeah. Well, okay. So and you say that with contempt. No, no, uh, no. Um, we say that because it was not a success when they tried it. Two thousand five in Los Angeles, the uh, every Worldcon committee may, at their discretion, add a one time, a, a one time category to their Hugo ceremony. And it could actually even be a duplicate of something someone's done before, but it's not an annual category. In 2005, they added video game to the uh, to, 2006. They added video game to the uh, to the LA Con 4 uh, 2006 Hugo Awards, 
but it turned out that the nominating numbers were so low that they chose not to uh mm-hmm. not to run that category for the final ballot because the people who were voting on uh nominating on Hugo's in 2006 just there weren't that many people into video games. It took several years for the graphic story. Right. But as I say, it may change. If you're a gamer listening to this, 2016, 10 years, there's a lot A lot has changed. There are way more story-driven games than there used yeah. to be. And that's, I think, and I think in many ways the Hugos are about story. Oh, yeah. In all its different forms. So, yeah. so, uh, could, so the Hugos are one of the things that happen at the Worldcon. <laughs> See, I'm so, going to keep dragging it back to Worldcon. Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> yeah, so, so these are the things that are tied to the supporting membership. An attending membership is everything that comes as su- in a supporting well, that's membership. That's what we had to talk about. Everything that comes in a supporting membership plus the right to attend the convention. And for the most part, there are no add-ons at a Worldcon. There are no... Special sign on, uh, you know, special signing, special reception. It's not a hundred dollar reception with Spider Robinson. Correct. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that other groups may not want to do something, or there might be a special event where we have to pay for something. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you know if we get a special three D showing of a film and we have to pay for the glasses, you know, it might be fair enough. I'll take you know, that. Yeah, and then we'll make sure they're printed with you know as a souvenir so you get to take them away for your the cost of your glasses that's not a promise that we're going to have a 3d movie. no 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 but I, we're just spitballing here yes. I mean, the basic the basic goal in a world con and everybody has really succeeded at this the basic goal at a world con is that everything that is is your membership your attending membership is to use it to to use a vacation term an all-inclusive registration for all of the things that the convention that the convention operates that is open to the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the things that it's not going to get you is it's not going to get you access to the program green room because the program green room is there for program participants to get together before their panel hash out the last little bit of what they're discussing and have or a, hide. Or and, and sometimes have, it's yeah, for hiding and have and have and have a snack so that they're not dying on low blood sugar so that when you go to a panel, those four or five people who are up at the table up at, up in the front are well enough organized that you don't have the hi I'm Fred Smith and I don't know what I'm why I'm on this panel oh hi I'm Joe and I'm moderator what are we going to talk about next that 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 kind of thing there are a few things that are like that where they are there to help the people who are doing the work to put on the convention to do a better job putting on their to do a better mm-hmm. job on their work putting on the convention but all the program items there is not a oh yeah for 50 bucks more you can get better seating for the masquerade right. oh yeah for 50 bucks more you can get better thank seating you. for the Hugo's. thank you for that i really i really really despise that i yeah. mean i know it's not you guys alone it's been standard but, but that is a, a trend in conventions it, i've really it, come to it's something it's in well and i mean even we're regular attendees at gallifrey one and gallifrey one has been doing everything they can to not have add-ons but frankly the reality this is why we do why we generally don't do media guests at a world con the reality is appearance fees are going up Mm -hmm. and you have and if you are doing a convention that is media guest based you have to be, become creative on how you make sure your media guests get paid. Mm-hmm. The appearance fees them, for some of these guests are in ha- six figures. Is half 
the entire budget for Worldcon. Well, those are generally multi-appearance uh, but, figures, but, but still. But to give you an idea, the contracts that some of these um, actors are signing. And frankly, I'm more interested in the person that created the words than the person that mm-hmm. performed them on, on screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, so where do they go? To, where do people go to get that membership? They go to uh, worldcon76.org and click on the registration link in the left menu, and that will take them to a page that shows them all the different memberships and from there, we'll take them to the Reg system. We are using a vendor called Reg Online for our registration because they do all the privacy protection. So we and the have payment to. card information compliance. That's and part all of it. Yeah, all yeah. all of the all of the bureaucracy that's necessary to do this safely. Uh, we have contracted with them to handle, and we've been very happy with them. And they are international registration friendly. On the off chance that we have uh, we have listeners here from outside of the United States, we have a few. Yeah, uh, and. Or it's not it's, right in. It's not without its quirks, and we have had a few cases where we've had problems with international credit cards. Every time we've had a problem with an international credit card, except for when we had to rush stuff through, it's like, okay, can we take a few days to get this sorted out with the vendor? If the answer is yes, it's like, okay, we've got the vendors online. They said, oh, gee, you're trying to read, you've got someone in Japan who's trying to buy a membership here. Japanese addresses have punctuation in them. International credit card gateways don't understand punctuation, so they have to do their address a little different than they would normally and strip out the punctuation, and bam, all of a sudden the registration went through. So they are actually very responsive on issues like this, and if if you're having a problem registering and are feeling frustrated, contact us. We will get back with you. We will make sure that this works out for you. And what about hotels? When can people make their hotel reservations? Hotel reservation systems never open more than 11 months and one day short of a year. So how would they get reminded of that? How would they find out when these changes are occurring? We um, we have a large social media team. So besides just our website, we are active on Facebook and, uh, and bringing up ourselves up to speed on other things as well as uh, old style uh, systems such as press releases. So we will be things will be going out on Primitive. min. <laughs> yes, but sometimes. But effective. Don't exactly. bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> I haven't and, been fed yet. <laughs> yes. Um, we also we also have a team of of copy editors to make sure that we don't send out typos when we write a press release. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, our Facebook page is one of the easiest ways to to watch for for new changes. Mm-hmm. But on a number of the big uh, email uh, uh, groups, we also make a point of sending out announcements. And what's your Facebook page? Our Facebook page? Uh, www.facebook.com slash worldcon76. There's a theme there. There is. There's a theme there. And we we are not terribly active on Twitter yet, but we are going to be ramping up our Twitter, our Twitter is www.twitter.com slash, we couldn't get 76, twitter.com slash worldcon2018. Oh. Because someone else registered worldcon76, God knows how many years ago. Uh, don't know why, it's never had a post on it, but we have worldcon2018 on Twitter. By the so. way, if you have trouble remembering 76, worldcon2018.org also goes to our website. Okay, very good. Yeah. Great. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about this. We're very excited for uh, less than two years away. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, sorry, it seems like boom, boom, boom. Uh, there well, are a couple more things, actually, yeah. before oh. we go. Um, if you want to help, and we need lots of help, 
you can drop a note to volunteer at worldcon76.org. Okay. And one other thing. You said a couple more things. So, well, We are just <laughs> starting to think about program. We've already got people asking us how they can be involved in the program, and we're not ready yet. But there will very okay. soon – there is a program at worldcon76.org site, or so you can Email send address. suggestions. Yeah. Sure. Can, okay. But um, – you know, it's going to be a little while before we start building the program. And actually, one of the things that I know you guys will be interested in, um, we have not got someone recruited to coordinate this, but you'll be interested in, I'm sure you have other podcasters who listen on listen to Fanboy Planet. I'd like to think so. But one of the things that Worldcon likes to do is to have a press office, and our press office is pretty inclusive. Uh, I mean, press, we are not the kind of event where where press gets in free because all of the all of the stuff that we get from press honestly is too late for us to make more sales off of mm-hmm. but we uh will have people to facilitate interviews with the professionals who show up right. at worldcon um and i know for a lot of for a lot of podcasters and a lot of journalists it is a it is a really really good time for them in the summer to build up a good library of material that they can then scarf from as they need to fill out their uh, fill out their episodes and their issues for the next few months. Terrific, yeah. All right, again, thank you. And let us lift our now empty glasses. Oh wait, mine's not empty yet. Oh, so that can be frugal. fixed. <laughs> good night, chin chin. Cheers. And our time confusion was only appropriate for talking about Worldcon, really. I mean, you know, let's do a time travel episode. We should really do one completely backwards like that Doctor Strange trailer. Um, So, sure. And then that would be the last time anybody will ever (laughs) listen. (laughs) So we've got some comics news, some movie news, and some TV news. Let's get right into comics, shall we? Uh, which is <laughs> the story that I was a little slow because of work in posting, but I saw that you had shared as well, was that, and I do think this is probably one of the biggest stories of the year in comics for me as far as a character. It's a, it's a monumental achievement. This is a moment in transmedia history. Yeah. And it is. Uh, Star Wars. I, I keep forgetting that all the Star Wars books are called Star Wars colon. Actually, not all of them are. Uh, they but, are unofficially. Yeah. When you look them up, they're all, uh, because I did have to look them up. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not it's not Dr. Aphra. It's Star, Star Wars. Wars colon Dr. Aphra. Uh, even if it doesn't appear on the cover that way. Right. It is called Star Wars Dr. Aphra. But why is this groundbreaking? Because she is the first. They haven't officially called it the new expanded universe, but I'm unofficially calling it that. She is the first new expanded universe. The first Disney era. She's the first focused character who's not been in a movie. Well, she's the Yeah, right. She's the first Disney era character to get her own. And it's not, I thought it was going to be a miniseries. It's an, it's at least advertised initially as an ongoing series. There's no X of X, X of Y. No, no, absolutely. No, they said very specifically in the press release, it is an ongoing series. And we've been saying you intent, you you particularly have been driving home that the two droids in that series are, are amazing characters. Triple zero and BD one. Oh my 
gosh. Yeah. So that's and then and then the uh, Wookie. Um, I can't remember the Wookie's I name. I can't remember the Wookie's but, name. But, but the but fact it's... that you've got another major yeah. Wookie for the first time, yeah. yep. um, and showing that they're not all these the allies with of the a Rebel Scar looks dangerous. Uh, well, he is dangerous because he's a <laughs> Wookie. Really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Like oh yeah, the scar is what makes him scary. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> the rest of the universe goes oh Wookies. Wait, that one has a scar. Back off, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, it is interesting because Darth Vader is kid just came to a close with issue number twenty five. Yeah, a series that to me I, I'm only up to nineteen because I'm reading it on Marvel Comics Unlimited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but it is a series that that uh, my thing about all these Star Wars comics is every single time they've announced a miniseries or a one shot, I have gone. It should not work. It this should not be a great story because they're all filling in these cracks in the movies and so forth. And everyone has. The Princess Leia miniseries yeah. was terrific. Yeah. The Han Solo one is great. It reminded me of how I, f- it, so far, because we're in the middle of it, right? It reminds me of how I felt when those, because Han was my favorite character out of Star Wars, when that first Brian Daly novel came out, Han Solo and oh, Star's yeah, End. Star's End, yeah. And, you know, and, and reading those. And they were better than the, the Lando ones, but the Lando miniseries was great. The Chewbacca miniseries was great. Um and that C-3PO one-shot, which I think Triple uh, Zero really has picked up that concept. And cinematically, which we'll talk about a little later, Rogue One looks like uh, you know Alan Tudyk's droid mm-hmm. is going to be following that same thing. What is sentience? What is life yeah. in the Star Wars universe? And it's, there's obviously no uh, no three rules of robotics at play here. Oh, no, not triple zero. <laughs> no. Um, so, not, even for the, not even for the good droids. So not know? even to the point where it's going to spin, where I haven't read far enough to know how it's going to spin off, but the fact that it is going to spin off, and then the question, because we talked about last week with the, Han, with the young Han Solo movie that, they, that it's rumored, or maybe it's just fans trying to will into existence that the female lead is going to be the character established in the comics as his wife. Yeah. Uh, even though it was a marriage of convenience. Yep. Um, well, it was a marriage of convenience. Of con. Well, hey, it still works. Yeah. <laughs> Please, when we're among the civilians, like in the podcast, don't act as if you're at a science fiction convention, all right? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, let's make sure. Let no pun be unnoticed. Uh, that's our platform for 2017 yes. and Worldcon 2018. Uh, so uh, it's um, the Dr. Afra is an interesting dark side. It reminds me of how the character that I loved most out of the expanded universe was the one for the game, the Shadows of the Empire, oh, yeah. was Prince Isor. Yeah. Um, the idea of what's going on in the underworld, what's the dark side, mm-hmm. and when that when Doctor Aphra first appeared in Darth Vader, and his powers, I mean, yeah, and but when Doctor Aphra first appeared, I was like, oh, that's an interesting supporting mm-hmm. character. And the longer this book has gone on, the more I'm like, please don't screw this up, don't die. How can you get well, away? That's that's that was the key thing to the Darth Vader series. First of all, of all, you know, it's after the first movie, after the fourth fourth. Uh, after movie. a new hope, let's After just call new it hope. a new hope. Certainly, and because talk about your time travel episodes, let's not. None you know. of the prior takes on Darth Vader have ever put him in any kind of peril because of his failure, and this one recognized the failure, put him into a situation where he had to be negotiating. He had to be not. It, was, it wasn't just a thing he could force his way out of. And then you threw in character after character that were just amazingly well built, well conceived, well motivated that you could understand. Even even like toss off characters and the 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 guy who ended up being the big bad in the second to the last arc, mm-hmm. um, I just 
love that. That was uh, the the twist in in that was just and amazing. I love the mining planet. So if you go, by the way, since I'm bringing it up, if you go to Fanboy Planet to the announcement of of Doctor Afra getting her yeah. ongoing series, I have a link on Amazon to every trade collection that, oh. that has all the Darth Vader's because I thought. You know, that's the thing. They've if, got to come out with omnibus. If you don't too. know why. Yeah. yeah, but again, I do understand. Omnibuses are hard to pack oh, around. I know. No, no, I totally agree. You know, I, I'm all for getting trade paperbacks yes. uh, on, on that. But the artwork is beautiful. Karen yeah. Gillan is the writer. Uh, I think Salvador. No, is Salvador Roca is the, who took over on the ongoing Star Wars main book, um, I think. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's just beautiful. Every single one of these of, of these titles has been. Yeah. And I want to see Dr. Afro in a film. I don't know how she'd fit, but there's a question now. Could there be, you know, could there be another and thought Star Wars story film in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? Or if she's ongoing, could Dr. Afra show up as an old woman? And yeah. in a way, you know, and in a way, these are these supporting characters. Or an older woman. Older woman. Well, I mean, you're to say it's you're right. She's very. Young. She's about. She's about. She's about the same age as Leia. Well, let's be fair. Leia it. is now sixty. Right. In terms she's of an older a, woman. Older woman. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. She's not a crone. She's not no, 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 enfeebled no. or anything. No, and that's what's interesting too is that she's a young evil genius. Yeah. Uh, or sociopath, I think, is probably better. Um, but uh, that would she show up in a later in in this seven eight nine because I she's an evil archaeologist <laughs> she's an archaeologist yeah this is it's just it's a but great it, character it is interesting uh no i saw somebody post one version of, it's like the legend of george lucas's plans for star wars <laughs> um a version of the legend that i'd never heard before was that the first one the first time he talked about his plans it was four trilogies with a movie in between each trilogy to kind of be this standalone linking oh, interesting. thing. So that Rogue One actually fits what his original plan was. So yeah. somebody was asking, yeah. was like posting on Facebook, like, isn't it, ex- you know, I'd hope that Disney, maybe that's what they're trying to do is go back and, and do those little fill-ins. Although I think that, that uh, the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels kind of fill that gap, and they shouldn't be beholden to it. But if that was, if there was originally somewhere, some concept of that was how it was going to be. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we don't have to anchor anything. We can do stories. That's going to be the next breakout is they do a story that's independent of the movie um, plot lines and characters. That it's mm-hmm. just someplace else in a galaxy far, far away where they're dealing with. Uh, you know, give me a Thrawn movie. That has nothing to do with the major rebellion and stuff. Well, talk Just, about your disappointment, though, yeah. uh, from box office. Uh, Bob Iger's conversation is just to shareholders there about, well, Thrawn, we're making a movie about the blue-skinned villain. Um, and, hmm, uh, although, you know, I do think that uh, that the character uh, that's in, the, well, we'll get back to Rogue One again, but the, but the villain in that. Yeah. The guy in the white cloak. The guy in the white cloak. I looked up his name this morning. I put it in the in the article. Um, but there's there's a hint of the Thrawn. Like the thing is, yeah. those kinds of Imperial officers, we didn't really see in the films. No, no, we saw the ones that pushed too hard and fell. But by I mean, the even uniform, even the look of him yeah. is what I, yeah. is I'm saying. That that white uniform we did not see in right. four, five, right, six. Right. But somehow 
Did he show up on a cover somewhere? It was in a Dark Horse comic. Somehow I knew what Thrawn looked like. And oh, there have been a lot of... There, I think there was there, an action figure, wasn't there? Because I think I have I a Thrawn I don't know if there was figure. an action figure. I know I, there's a Zizor, because I bought a Zizor. That was... Uh, but I'd like No, to, there was a comic. Okay, it was Dark Horse. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'd like to see a Shadow of the Empire. Give me that. Give me something with the yeah. Black Sun. Tell me a story with the Black Sun. Absolutely, I'm with you. Just don't give me another Ewok adventure. No. Let's go on to other comics things, because like I said, we will get back to Star Wars. There's no question there. Um, IDW has announced this morning that they're joining Comic Blitz, which uh, is the sort of the Netflix of, of digital comics. You check mm-hmm. them out. You you know go there. They were nine ninety nine a month. They've just dropped to seven ninety nine a month. So they've lowered their price, which I think is reasonable. Yeah. They also have a three ninety nine for ten comics option. Yeah. Uh, ten comics a month. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but again, it's an interesting. It's They've like having probably done their marketing research on how much people want to. Well, you know, I, and I, I think it's like it's like having Marvel Comics Unlimited. Is that I appreciate that there are a lot of books that I don't need to have on my shelf, yeah, but that I want to read that and I want to catch and up. Three ninety nine for ten a month is just enough to like give you the experience and and say you know I really do enjoy doing this. I'm going to go for the full membership kind of thing. Well, you know, and, and I'll be honest, for Marvel Comics Limited, I probably don't read more than ten because I often mm. forget that I have them. Yeah. Yeah, that I have that option. So uh, I think that's a reasonable. That's a decent price. I mean, it's, it's well, and with IDW joining now, you get Star Trek, you've got Transformers. If you wanted to catch up on that, all those Hasbro books, yeah, uh, and some interesting IDW stuff on its own as well. But, but it's another major publisher going. It's only how much does uh, Marvel Unlimited cost you? Ten. Although they keep they keep offering these, I, it's kind of irritating to me that they keep making these offers where it's like, well, if you put in this code, you get it for five bucks a month for a year, and I'm like, I didn't get any of that. Uh, yeah. You know, it's almost yeah. like having to call your cable company. And but say, I think you can you can also pay for a full year and you get a real big break, bigger break on yeah. How much? That's what I've always done. Um, I but, believe you can. I think yeah. I, I just because at eight eight dollars a month, that's still ninety six dollars a year. Well, and that's reasonable. I say, you know, because I'd spend that in a month. Easily. Yeah, oh, sure. Easily. <laughs> I don't want to say more than that because um, it'll be held against me years later by my children. Um, although Luke got to read them all, so, Damn. you know, that's okay. Um, the Harvey Awards. This has not gotten a lot of play, but the Harvey Awards, which, you know, is the kind of the East Coast Eisners, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, named it for Harvey Kurtzman. Uh, they're leaving Baltimore Comic Con, and there's no real world. So they parted ways, and there's no real word where they're going to go. Maybe New York Comic Con. Why'd they leave? Know. Is well, the you convention think they would tell us? Not- no, I don't know. And Baltimore released it and said, uh, "You know, I've we'll, never been to Baltimore. I've never been to Baltimore or the Comic Con there, or New York Comic Con for that mm, matter." Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, and they just said it's part. They're parting ways. Keep. Coming back to the Baltimore Comic Con website for news of exciting guests and events next year. It's going to be exciting. Well, of course it is. It's always going to, you know, but the one that's really like pushing up is Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, the Rhode Island Comic Con. There, the, DC is really backing it. A lot. Uh, I think that's where I think that's where Gal Gadot is making her only appearance. Yeah. Her first. Uh, well, not first because she was at Comic Con, but her her only 2016 um, uh, appearance. And they just announced, and this was just because I really literally did ask somebody last week, is he still alive? Wilford Brimley will be making his first convention oh appearance my God. at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con. So uh, <laughs> I was like, 
Uh, you know the one I want to go to, though? And you'll laugh, I think. Maybe not. Um, I want to go to the Salt Lake City Comic Con. <laughs> no, I do not laugh because it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the same people put on I know, um, I know. the Fantasy Con. And that was for our first con. Because we've that had was a, amazing. We've had, we had a put together. we've had a similar conversation earlier when you had gone to that fantasy con. Yeah, but the rea- and and con- and the Salt Lake. Why they impressed me is is not just their organizational skills, which were clearly mm-hmm. put on display, but that they pulled back and canceled one this year. They were supposed to have a set, oh. September one, and the reason they did was they said. It wasn't going to be your call. Yeah. No, we yeah. keep going back to the same well. We are asking you to spend so much money uh-huh. as a fan, and it's just not fair. Let's let's do fewer of higher quality with better guests so that when you spend this money and you only have to do it once a year, you get... Wow, that's new. Integrity. It, I got to say, it, this is not a, an, an endorsement of politics or, or faith. But my guess is, because they're in Salt Lake, statistically speaking, chances are they're LDS. Yeah. And there's integrity there. There's yeah. no doubt. And, and and there's thrift. And, you know, so I, I don't know that for sure. But I would guess, you know, that's one of the things driving it is that is that the Salt Lake Con, unlike New York Comic Con and San Diego, has been a lot of local fans from Utah coming into Salt Lake City to do yeah. that. And that is an awful lot to ask for travel, for hotel, mm-hmm. you know, more than once. You know, so I think uh, I wish more cons would do that. Like, you know, just I don't like the, you know, but we know that we I, I'm not a really big fan of the love and shove. I'm happy for Stephen Amell. We've talked about that, you know, getting in yeah. on that. If that's what you're into, that's fine. I just think there's so many some. Well, I mean, I know because at the end of the month. uh Realized there's this alien con, so I'm going to go and and spend a few hours checking out the alien con, which has. If you're an Irwin Allen fan, you realize that that you have dueling your your allegiances have to be split. Really, that weekend because it's the same weekend as Campbell Con, which features a Land of the Giants cast reunion. Oh, that's so cool! And Alien Con in Santa Clara has a Lost in Space cast reunion. Oh my! So, so Billy Mooney. Bill Mooney, Angela, Angela Cartwright, Cartwright uh, Ju- uh, Judy. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, is Don still alive? No, I don't think Don's still alive. I think it's the kids. I think that uh, I think they're going to. I think June Lockhart's still alive, but she can't. But she's Probably too old not, to travel. Yeah. But they've even got the green woman who was in love oh, with Doctor Smith. Smith. She's going to be there, so um, they're going to be there. Uh, there's a couple people from Firefly. Jewel State is going to be there. Oh, cool. And, uh, and then they're having uh, all the living people that have been in the suit for Godzilla are going to be there. So <laughs> oh, wow. So they're having an event called Grilling with Godzilla. And uh, so you can have a dinner party with them. And, and it's just kind of – but when I realized that there's like someone like Gaz, yeah. you know, who is a huge Godzilla fan. He found out about Alien Con too late. He's got Sorry, a table at CampbellCon. You didn't hear a thing. Um, thanks, Alexa. Um, but anyway, I can't believe I triggered your vote. Oh my god! Why are these steel doors slamming all over the house now? Oh no! I tried to warn you. What is that? What is that gas? Anyway, that's what they thought. That's what, that's what she thought, gas. But but that that you've got two conventions with within. 20 miles of each other on the same weekend 
And one of them, granted, is it's sponsored by Prometheus Entertainment from Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. So everybody that's involved in that show, which I've never watched, so I don't know. But, you know, it, it, it's just, it, again, when we've talked about this before, too many conventions going on. Oh, yeah. And I that's going to be a tough one. I can't believe that I ever got to a point that that, again, that my life would be like that, like, uh, after going to no conventions. Well, there's always, in this area, there's three on the, the weekend of Bacon. Well, but it hasn't always yeah. been. But and, four, and, actually. But, you know, yeah. and, and those are still a different thing. You yeah. Know? I mean, they're But I want to go to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, last bit of comics news before we get into what's in the bag is that uh, it looks like DC is actually bringing Carrie Bates back to write uh, with Greg Wiseman, who is the creator of Gargoyles. Uh, they're going to come together again because apparently I lost track that Greg Weissman had been involved in this in the 80s. Captain Adam, six-issue miniseries coming from D.C. called The Fall and Rise of Captain Adam, and they're bringing back the writers who initially brought Captain Adam into the D.C. universe. Okay, I saw you had this on the list, and so I prepped a couple of questions for you because okay. I've been totally confused. I know a couple of things about it. So I remember when it first came out for D.C., Yes, and it was it was prior prior to that it was a, a character it was a Charlton comic. Charlton comic, so they got it at the same time as they got uh, Shade. Uh, they got it at the same time that they got all the characters that Alan Moore more used for the Watchmen. Watchmen. But they had a couple that they kept they kept themselves like Captain Adam. DC got got Captain Adam, Nightshade, Peacemaker. They got them all. Yeah. They got Peacemaker, Blue Beetle. Um, oh, Blue Beetle. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, a couple others came out of that. But I too. really liked. I liked. So the DC Captain Adam, Judo Master, and oh, wait, yeah. and Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so, they did Cannon. Peter. Wow. They did. There was wow. a Peter Cannon Thunderbolt okay. uh, series. So um, it was not great. No. So the there was the original and Son of Vulcan. There was the original uh, Captain Adam, which kind of kind of felt the same way as like uh, uh, Firestorm kind of book, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then there was a time when uh, there was a there was an event, public identity or something like that. Armageddon two thousand one. No, that was there was an event where he sacrificed himself to destroy some kryptonite or something, and he instead of actually dying, he ended up in the Wildstorm universe, and that's where the Armageddon stuff came came no, from. No, that's not where Armageddon two thousand one came from. No, I know, I know the Wild. I remember now that you've said it because he ended up in the Wildstorm universe. That was much later. Okay, he was. <clears throat> this is very confusing because actually, here's the weird thing. If you look back and you're a fan of DC Comics presents the Superman team up title, right? Captain Adam first actually appeared like they rushed when they when they were putting. Uh, Watchmen together they rushed a bunch of the new crisis on infinite earths was coming mm-hmm. and so and and that's I think where those characters actually first made their appearance like a little like what here's earth I can't remember what they called earth C no yeah. earth C is Captain Carrot earth whatever yeah. Earth five was Charlton and um, you know it says oh who's this blue beetle you know who's this blue beetle who's Captain Adam there's a DC Comics presents where Superman met Captain Adam and he was the Charlton version okay and then, like four or five months With like later, blue trunks and stuff, yeah, uh, and kind of like a like a, a armor, like a, a chainmail, a chainmail top, uh, like yeah, Captain yeah. America, right, but right. with long sleeves and white hair, and his skin was normal. And then about right. six months later, there's the Carrie Bates, Greg Wiseman, Pat Broderick on the art, 
a series that relaunches where he is Silver Surfer, w- basically. Yeah. yeah, right. And that's where they create major victory and right uh, and right. All, all these things, uh, these characters. Okay, so that that runs through totally different. No explanation as to why Superman knew a different version of Captain Adam because DC Comics presents counts to me like Brave and the Bold. You just cannot put it in regular continuity. And because DC hadn't had that pitch or that look to him, and they hadn't decided on that. And I'm speaking off the top of my head because I don't know if that's actually what happened. Yeah. But I know as a reader, that's was like, what? He looks different now. Um, and then uh, his book was canceled. Mm-hmm. And that was leading up to Armageddon 2001, where uh, Wave Rider, the name of the ship on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, yes. Wave Rider came back in time to determine which DC hero held in his future that he would turn bad and become right. monarch. Right, right, It right. was supposed to be Captain Adam. And for a while they played it as if it was. No, it, it, because that's where they were right, going, right. and then it leaked into the press that Monarch was Captain Adam. So the last issue of Captain Adam ended with Wave Rider about to shake his hand, which would have then triggered what turned him into Monarch. Okay. But instead, it was like, oh, the the, the next issue of Armageddon 2001 was kind of like, well, it's really great to meet you, Wave Rider. And, and they forced a reason for Hawk to become Monarch. Right. And that sent, but that, that the handshake sent Captain Adam back in time. So he was in the Wild West for a little while. Uh, that's still not Wildstorm because this is about ten to fifteen years before Wildstorm became part of the DC universe. Okay. Um, so I don't remember the name of the event that brought Captain Adam into Wildstorm, but I do no, re- there was. I, it was definitely called I, Armageddon, and the. the uh, the Wildstorm universe, like seven issues. I will vamp right now while you look it up. I remember the series, though. I do. I didn't buy it, but, and, I, re- but and, I remember that. And Captain Adam was the cause of the Wildstorm universe. Because he fought Mr. Majestic. Blinking and right. changing over. Changing over. And it was that, but that, that was much later in time. And then they found a way to create. <clears throat> so Hawk became extant later, I think. Yes, and was responsible for Zero Hour. And then I don't know how Hawk got rehabilitated. I don't remember. I think they just wanted to pretend in the new in one of the new realities that it just never happened. Because at one point they separated out and found that Monarch was separate in there. It's Captain Adam Armageddon. And he's yellow and gold armored there. Yes. Okay, but that's a later so that's not Armageddon two thousand one though, is the is no, the point. That no. was in nineteen ninety one because they you know, that was the 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 far future of 2001 armageddon's like 2004 i want to say 2003 or 2004 when wildstorm was purchased by dc and they wanted to they had to bring the wildstorm universe into the regular actually it says regular continuity for a period the character assumed the mantle mantle of monarch and in 2005 dc attempted to retell the captain of story with entirely different new character breach Oh, that's right. Breach. Oh, that was even horrible. Uh, but it wasn't. Yeah, they retold the story, but it wasn't the same character. He was Breach instead. Uh, Captain Adam became Monarch for a uh, No, 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 no. I know what it was. Captain Adam, they pulled a swamp thing. And they said that the guy that was running around as Captain Adam was a quantum duplicate who had been the hero while Nathaniel Adam had been in quantum stasis 
and he came out and became monarch. And then... Yeah, there were nine nine issues of Captain Adam Armageddon. None of them mattered, though. Yeah. None of them mattered, because then at the New 52, they brought back a different version of Captain Adam that sucked horribly, like at least... At yeah. least, uh, well, it's just a tool for the military. At least twenty-eight of the fifty-two new fifty-twos sucked. Yeah, um, and Captain Adam was one of them. And uh, the only time, you know, and he was in Justice League Unlimited, so a character that kids know—well, now not kids, right? Young adults know Captain Adam from Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, and and he was really cool on that show. Um, so it'll be interesting to see by calling it the fall and fall rise, and rise yeah. is it bringing him back into this Are they going to retell that prior story and then we'll see what they do how yeah. do they figure it out get back to it's just like having Jerry Jerry Conway come back to Firestorm mm-hmm. and it's just like uh I'd say the Blue Beetle rebirth has very effectively wrapped Ted Cord back into continuity with Dan Garrett his mentor so there's that long history of it's just alluded to that's the other brilliance of rebirth if you know all that backstory it's there yeah if you don't know it doesn't matter because that's not the story of jaime reyes so uh you know that's but i i'm, I'm glad thanks to see. i'm glad it was at least confusing for you as well because <laughs> because they've done so many yeah. different things with it. i was a big wildstorm fan while I mean, Wildstorm, all the, all the series, the, the Wildcats and Grifter and all, you know. Yeah. Oh, the, and uh, I never really the authority. Was. I never really was. I liked the authority authority and planetary. And, yeah. that was, and, and uh, you know, so let's uh, – anyway, that's coming. And thank you all for indulging us in that trip down Captain Adam memory lane and realize there's been quantum entanglement and perhaps our memories aren't even accurate. We're going to play that section uh, of uh, – not play. I keep saying it's play, but it's that segment where we say what's in the bag. What's come out this week that's of interest? And and because Rick and I are at the same table, we get to at least say face-to-face at the last week, like, I've got it spread out, and I don't know what you've got I coming. knew which ones you were doing. It was like playing poker. You yeah. didn't know. I did, you too. Didn't. I called you, each one you, except for that one where we See? About. Uh-huh. Angel City. You didn't call I Angel City. I didn't call City. Angel City, no. Yeah. So what's in your bag? Okay, so the first thing in my bag, because uh, I don't think we really talked about it that much, is All-Star Batman number three, which this is my favorite Batman book right now. It's only gone three issues. Because I like, it's Scott Snyder. Uh, it's Scott Snyder, and it's it's John Romita Jr., and it's a fresh storyline that's not entangled with two other two or three other right, books. Right, and right. It's just it's focused, and there's a new Robin-esque kind of character in there that I'm starting to learn. we're learning all about. Uh, I'm loving this book. It's the essential Batman right now. That's that's all I got to say. Just throw down. Buy that book. All right. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, one because we talked about on an yeah. earlier podcast and just say uh, I, I suspect that we have – well, I don't know. I mean, I mean you're to find out. So I'm going to choose next Doom Patrol number two. Uh-huh. We talked about a couple weeks ago – Number one, as a like an after the fact, hey, did you read it? And I said, I'm going to give it three issues. Number two, and now I feel like a fuddy duddy, is probably because number two felt more. It's focused in on the characters that I want okay. in a Doom Patrol book. So I don't okay. know if you've read it yet. I have not. But I enjoyed number two so much more. So much of it still it, – he's still playing that little game of there's a one page. What's Niles Calder doing? But yeah. that this brings in a new take, although it was a little still disorienting in its introduction. Of You can tell by the cover at least uh, only two of them appear. Um, 
Cliff Steele comes back in and Larry Trainer comes back mm-hmm. in. Negative man. And and there's yeah, but I, you know, but no Elastic Girl. Not yet. She's, she's on, on the cover. cover but yeah. this is an alternative cover by Mike Allred. Okay. Um, but uh, but the thing that I thought was funny about Larry Trainer is that they actually sort of uh, Gerard Way sort of integrated the other Negative Man's personality. Okay. Do you? I don't know if you read that version of Doom Patrol that only had Cliff, and then a, a, it was. Uh, I think I've Tan, read all of them. Tan Huat, I think, was the artist. Yeah. Um, and and the guy was called Negative Man just because he was like, "Oh, I'm going to call it out, and then you can hate me later." He was Jason Salazar <laughs> with only the vaguest of superpowers, <laughs> um, and so they went, "Wow, yeah, why are you always so negative, man? Oh, you're Negative Man." <laughs> and so, um, Larry Trainer is like that. Now, okay. And trying to trying to get back to the black energy because he doesn't have it right now. Oh, okay. And um, I was he was always one of my favorite characters because yeah. because he was he actually harkened back to me for to Thunder Agents because he has a power but it's got like this limitation where and I have it, to get back to his body. 60 seconds and, and it yeah. weakens. It's like Ultraman. Yeah. Um, that, anyway, it's a lot more, for me, this was a lot more coherent. And maybe it's just because he's further in the narrative and if I go back and, re- and maybe and, and just like one. I've always like you're, and this is the other reason I fear omnibuses, because if you go back and you read, like I'm convinced that if you pick up the Invisibles omnibus, yeah, and you read it all in one sitting, um, <laughs> you will travel into an alternate dimension. Yeah, I, I suspect so. because Grant Morrison has threatened that it's all it all forms a sigil, and I don't want to perform that magic, so I can't <laughs> have it all in one volume, or it's too dangerous for mankind. You go outside and smell the roses, and I kind of feel like that, like, and then so I'll say. Gerard Way, good on you that this is going to be a book that rewards my rereading in bigger chunks. Uh-huh. Reading an individual issue was not as strong an experience, but I have a feeling that once I have six issues and can lay that first arc and reread it all in one sitting, I'm going to enjoy it a well, lot more. Obvi- we'll obviously keep touch on this because I think we both want to see its success. We want it to be good. Yeah. And this is better. Yeah. So. So the second book I have is um, is a first issue for a new imprint for Titan Comics. Their imprint is Hard Case Crime, which has been a long-running uh, paperback uh, series with uh, a lot of really well-known name authors doing hard mm-hmm. case crime stories. And so this I have is- a Stephen King one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's actually, I think there are two Stephen King ones. Eventually, I'll read them. Joyland, and that's what I have. Uh, there was one before that, which was just a straight up. I can't remember. Um, Christina Faust, Gary Phillips, and and Krista Faust. Krista, you're right, Krista. I know. And okay. Andrea Camerini, um, Peepland, which uh, I just saw. I saw Hard Case on this. And I said, I love. When I read totally the hard case stuff. Totally get why you have to do that. And totally this looks get why cool. you have to do that. Um, so, grim and gritty where it belongs. All right. I'm going to go next. Uh, I'm torn. Um, but I, I think that we'll be doing enough of this talking. Let me let me throw in one for Nate. If Nate were here, aside from the latest issue of Walking Dead, he probably would have chosen Dead No More, the clone conspiracy number one. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say because I don't know. But it's a trust Dan slot. That's all I can say. My actual choice would be Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency, The Salmon of Doubt. Um, one, this harkens back to one of my favorite interviews from Comic-Con this last summer when I got to meet uh, and talk to the writer Armin David, who is basically the heir to Douglas Adams' 
Dirk Gently uh, files. And you may remember that the Salmon of Doubt was actually the title of the sixth, uh, or is printed as somebody kind of half completed the last Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. Oh. And so there's a, you can get an anthology of short stories and gathered half yeah. writings called The Salmon of Doubt. And uh, actually, I think Salmon of Doubt probably was supposed to be the third novel. And he had the title and he had some notes. He didn't have the full thing. So now Somebody's this latest head. miniseries from IDW, written by Arvin David. And it's worth noting because this weekend on BBC America, the series, the television series, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, starts. Excellent. So, and that's the cover I have, has the comic book version of Dirk Gently uh, dreaming of the television version. That's the actor who's playing him on TV. Uh-huh. And then this is, they've been establishing young Dirk Gently, <laughs> what he looked like in the last storyline. So, um, cool. I just have been loving this book. So the previous book they'd done as a miniseries for how many issues they were on? There were two previous miniseries. Okay. And both really felt like Douglas Adams wrote them. Okay, good. But they were uh, Chris Ryle on the first one, and then Arvind wrote the, well, the second Adams one. wrote two books, right? Right. He wrote two novels. Yeah. Uh, then they did two miniseries that were continuations based on his notes. Okay, so, so they're not was, adaptations. They're continuations. They're not, these are continuations. Okay. These are, and Arvind is doing the tele- I don't think the television series okay. will be covering the same thing uh, as the novels either. But if you go back to our Comic-Con interviews this year, great conversation with Arvind David. And if I had time to transcribe it, I, I, I would and should put that up because mm-hmm. just inspiring a guy whose life – you know he's getting he's living the dream, and I am so excited to tout people who are living their dreams. So go ahead, next one. Uh, so I, I was going to do Reborn by Mark Millar, but I saw that your last one is an anthology. Uh, so you want to go? So I'm going to go. Ahead. I'm going to go with my uh, anthology trade that I picked up this week. Just came out uh, from Dark Horse, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan: The Beckoning, which is I'd seen some of this before and it's just it's the art in it is beautiful it harkens back both to uh the brune hogarth and uh, uh, thomas yates we should say that it's thomas yates and i yeah um it's an old now that we now that i've been staring at it for a while yeah it has been the individual issues had been around there years back yeah but i owe a special debt to that book really because it is because of tom yates that Ron Ely started appearing at conventions. He showed up at Comic-Con the year that oh. I talked to Ron Ely was because Dark Horse got him to sign, to sign The Beckoning. Interesting. So uh, individual issues then. But uh, so uh, I got I should pick up that book because I didn't realize that it was like. Yeah, it's, it's a $20 book, but it's it's heavy. But I, I, oh, I, I do. Thank you, Dark Horse. Again, way from years back, you know, that's, that's why I got a chance to sit down with Ron Ely yeah. years ago. And it was because of that book. And Tom, and Tom Yates specifically, Yates convinced him to show up at a comic con. He was, I think, he'd shown up at Tar at Edgar Rice Burroughs conventions, but he had never been at a, at a comic con before. So cool, yeah. My, as Rick said, mine's an anthology, and I'm trying to figure out if there was another edition of this because I I realized last night it has the the Diamond Previews exclusive wow. uh, branding on it, but this is the copy they had um, at Elusive. It's Attack on Titan anthology from from. Kodansha Comics, but it is American creators right. doing stories set in the world of Attack on Titan. And I'm about halfway through it. 
because yes, some are disturbing, some are funny. Uh, what what sealed it for me is Evan Dorkin does a series of strips interstitially through them called uh, and, and Sarah Dyer working together called Attack on Titan uh, Attack on Attack on Titan. So he has a running gag about about that. Um, but it's interesting because it looks like they're different art styles for the. It absolutely story. is, yeah. uh, and one is that uh, Gail Simone and Phil Jimenez teamed for a story. As well as I'd say of others that people might know, Sam Humphreys, who writes Legendary Star Lord and Noah Nova, uh, with uh, Damian Scott, who's the artist on Ghost Rider, uh, Faith Aaron Hicks, uh, Scott Snyder, and Raphael Albuquerque, who first broke through with American Vampire, have a story in here too. Uh, Scott Snyder being the writer of All Star Batman. Right. So the interesting thing for me, and I, maybe I haven't gone far enough in Attack on Titan, which I've only gotten I think five volumes in to the actual manga. Okay. Is that, that some of these stories are things like what was happening in the rest of the world right. as it fell. That's what I've gotten the sense of. I've not been reading any of the manga. I've just watched the... And I haven't watched the... I've watched the first episode of the anime, and it's one oh. of those I'll get back to it, but because uh, Netflix has it, right? Yeah. But um, that this is like the, the first opening story is set in San Francisco as the world is collapsing. Oh, interesting. But it's actually the world collapsing right before the Titans first appear. And so there's this really... this. This sense of dread is like there are people trying to stave off essentially an apocalypse that they don't even know how bad that apocalypse is about to get. Wow. And um, so it's some really interesting stuff. And it was really cool to see. There's one set in the UK uh, on, on the White Cliffs of Dover uh, that involves them bringing back kind of Celtic uh, Celtic mythology and, and, uh, and tying it into the British tradition of stories about giants. And so there's some really, really cool stuff. And again, Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer, the Attack on Attack on Titan strips are hilarious. And then you get something really gross. And then you get something really conceptual. There's a couple stories that I'm like, I don't even understand what was going on there. And and yet, I, I was fascinated by it. The, the, the series is, at its heart, confusing, starting with the title. Attack on Titan. First off, I know that's just a bad Titans? English translation. That's not, but but that's not what it's called in Japan. What's it called? It's called something, something Japanese that doesn't that translate. Translates. It doesn't translate okay. into Attack on Titan. Very rarely do they actually. Oh, they're I, not I, literal I, word for word translation. Right, right. Sometimes, but they had to choose that name then, which makes it even worse <laughs> that they didn't do a literal translation. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm but I'm really thrilled by that. I I, I the. The manga, uh, the anime was just compelling. I just like every night it was like, and I think episode. it's better than the manga. Oh. And I, because yeah, when I've looked at the manga, the manga is really sparse and and very. The manga is somewhat. Uh, it's meant it, to be read super fast, it, it, and it's somewhat amateurish. Yeah, by by even the creator's uh, point of view, uh, admission. Because uh, there is a joke that Evan Dor- I got to spoil this one where this one guy goes like, oh, "Man, I'm all dirty," and he goes, "No, no, 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 those are just excess speed lines. They're left over from our last fight." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, oh, I'm not tired at all. Then okay, <laughs> so um, let's get into movies, shall we? Let's so, talk- so there's a, so there's a. Uh, uh, the Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer ones are very, very self aware, and that's all I could. It's just yeah. there's a Deadpool aspect to that. to that one there there even becomes a moment of like you know because it's three walls right you know yeah. they go they go oh no you broke the fourth wall we don't have a fourth wall no you broke the fourth wall you're not supposed to talk to the audience 
<laughs> so like, how dare you? No breaking the walls. Worst of all, the fourth. I probably I spoiled one late in, but it's it was it's it's very clever, and then of course tiny pre- you know really using my bifocals to their fullest. Uh, let's talk movies. The big thing, of course, this morning, man. Oh, I've man. had to I've had to work every day at six. Um, so I've been getting up at five and today is my day to sleep in till like till six <laughs> and I woke up at five anyway and I'm glad that I woke up at five because that's when they dropped the trailer for Rogue One, uh, the, the final trailer before it opens in yeah. December. Definitely a vision of the reshoots, I think from a warmth, but I, I, you can go to Fanboy Planet and watch it and I say there and say that, that it's like, ah, uh, I might have wanted that grittier war film, but I do understand. It's like, like I argue with like Dr. Afro with the comics and with the novels is you want those other side stories. There's something the movies have to deliver, and mm-hmm. there is a heart. Even Empire Strikes Back has it because you have so much affection for those characters. Yeah. That there has to be this arc and growth. And remember that these are, at their heart, noble people that are supposed to inspire us. These movies are supposed to be inspiring. And the nice thing about a one-shot in this where we – we don't have any of these characters already tied into the movies that follow. Right. Uh, we could be looking at, you know, this could be a heroic story where nobody makes it out, you know, they could, or, you know, you don't know the, the, the tension can be there where in a way that it can't be in the other stories. Cause you know, they've got to have characters to continue this. They're not going to, well, that's true. Have, have it between the two. That's true. But I, and I, I noted, I, I posted on, uh, on my Instagram account when you go into, Star Trader at, in Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. and they they don't have as much Rogue One stuff up as you'd think. Though there's a lot of toys, obviously. I bet that poster's gonna be up now. Um, that poster probably is. But what they had was the you know little Jin or Jin Urso looking above uh-huh. uh, Felicity Jones, but behind the cash registers as you face to go into Space Mountain. And if you're a Disney fan, you know what I'm talking about. There's like two two stations of cash registers in the main Star Trader section, right? But one of them has uh, Donnie Yen, and I wish I could remember the other actor, the, but the two Asian characters of Rogue One, just huge. And they're the biggest representation in uh, from Rogue One in the store. And it just it just made my made me feel really good or like like a Star Trek episode, hopeful about our future. Right. That there that that really was that finally uh there's true diversity and not in terms of aliens, in terms of ethnicities there and that kids can walk in and go, those two guys are really badass. I, those are who I want to be, yeah. who I want to be for Halloween or yeah. who I want to, you know, and, and it just, it just thrilled me. There's Felicity Jones. There's of course, Diego Luna. Cause you know, he's the heartthrob, right? Right. You know, but they're, but they're small in comparison to those two guys as far as at least when I was there two weeks ago. And they're cool characters, at least from what I see right now. They're, right. Yeah. Because the truth is we don't know Anything other than it's an interesting arc from first trailer to this trailer of yes I'm a rebel to I thought you said I'm a rebel. Well, I know that's that's how I know to do the accent because everybody was giving Michael Rabel, Mike Rabel crap and saying like you know did she just call you out in the Star Wars trailer uh-huh. and he's like yes I'm a rebel and he's spelling it right but she you know she's she says I'm a rebel and he and you know in this one she says you're all rebels. You know, I mean, and it's like this. So, you, from trailer to trailer, you have an arc of Jin Erso accepting her place in the rebellion, and and a clearer vision of it being a story of of her fighting for to free her father. Right. So it then has that 
personal intimacy, not just the angry woman that's only that's the that's the rogue that can get in there. It's like no, she has a, a stake in it, which had been rumored for a long time anyway. But this trailer really confirms that Mads Mikkelsen is the guy who designed, or as uh, Drew Campbell said, and Mads Mikkelsen as Doctor Flamond. Uh, so Rogue One is actually top secret. And you you should go and watch Top Secret if you want to know what's going to happen. Uh, so they're going to they're going to Flergendorf Bergendorf Castle. Is it Flergendorf? I I can't remember. I don't remember. But because uh, I just watched it a few months ago. But you know that's what it is. It is a classic. By putting that in there, it is a classic World War II film. It's it, it you know so yeah. Um, just great great trailer. Gave me chills. It was a worldwide J.K. Rowling. Did you watch it? With, no, I watched some of it. Who had time? I had a friend though post. She was at the uh, she, she was at the event in L.A. and and uh, so that's where I discovered that she's not, that J.K. Rowling announced that it was not three movies as originally announced, but now it's going to be five. She's really sly doing it too. She's like she's like oh can I can I tell them about that because I've been I've oh, been sure. writing it all out and okay so let me say this boy this movie had better not suck yeah. Because the with the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, what I've heard from the people who have read it, yeah. I have not yet read the play, is they said, wow, it's like all our Harry Potter fanfic come to life. <laughs> and they've not really enjoyed it. There's been a lot of criticism oh. of the script. But when you go to the two nights to sit through four hours each night of this two-part play, play, and all the special effects are there, yeah. this is not going to be your community theater production in decades to come unless they figure out how to do everything holographically um you know if the if the special effects get cheaper but it's just um <coughs> but you know most people are not used to reading scripts even no even- no no. but when she said and i saw this quote that she said today is she learned how to write a screenplay by writing a screenplay and it's not the way i'd recommend uh-huh. now the difference is that the stage play was actually she gave notes over to someone else. They collaborated with her, and ah. somebody else was the, was the playwright. Yeah. So, they gave the so I think there's a J.K. Rowling magic that I'm hoping. I'm just saying, this is one of those things. It is a gamble, and I applaud her for stretching as an artist mm-hmm. of trying to f- tackle a new a new medium. I just hope it doesn't suck. Yeah, because I'll be honest, and and you and people can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I forgot to say that up top, and and say they hate me for this, but I really don't like the lead. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Do you don't like his look, or no? I've I, I, I've just not enjoyed him in Eddie Redmayne. Oh, I, I have not enjoyed right. him in a the film actor. yet. Yeah, I I have no problem with Newt Scamander. That's fine. Okay. It's it's Eddie Redmayne. I I do not like him as an actor. Okay. And I and hey, before the hate mail comes, it is subjective. No matter what people tell you about object objectively judging actors, it's not. No one has ever ever been objectively judged as an actor. It's always subjective. There's something about them that you know, and he's just one of those guys. It's just. Mm. It's like Keanu Reeves. Until someone tells me that Eddie uh, Eddie Redmayne has like like oh look, there's an angry crowd following me outside my door right now. Are they now? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. Um, oh, oh, I thought it was really our gut. Uh, <laughs> it could be because we're not streaming this. I that's what confused me. Anyway, so we're looking they forward. Come to back it. in time to prevent you from saying that. Too oh. late. Oh, too late. It's done. Uh, Yesterday was we got the first look at Amber Heard as Mira. I didn't see that. Which it is on Fanboy Planet right now. Um, and it's a fantastic 
look, it's dark and muted because all of Justice League will be, but that it's a care, you know, it's establishing for, we're going to have at least one scene in Justice League that establishes who's who in Atlantis. Because we already know Willem Dafoe is going to appear as Volko. So that's all I need. Give me Aquaman, give me Mira, and give me Volko. Give me one scene and promise that there's a whole Aquaman movie in which they're there. And it's going to be great. I like it. She's she's reminiscent of the comic and yet kind of theatrically badass. Well, there you go. You look at the uh, so I put up the photo. I yeah. put up the uh, concept, concept art, art, and then below that I put a panel from New uh, from Rebirth. And people don't realize that she's got some pretty wicked powers, and that she has different powers than yeah. Aquaman does. So yeah. that's what I've always liked about her, and what makes her better. Well, I shouldn't say better, but different from the usual female counterpart to the superheroes is that she really does that what they have in common is they breathe underwater mm-hmm. but she's got an entirely different power set and their love well they have that in common sure yeah. uh you know but uh it depends on which reality you're in that's true uh i think they're going to get married again there was a there was a a, a a aquaman got down on one knee in like the first or second issue of the rebirth so uh you know they're they're going to get remarried uh, they have confirmed that the Logan villain, uh, Richard E. Grant is not playing Mr. Sinister. He's not playing the other character I just mentioned here, but that it's, it's a scientist. Richard E. Grant's playing a scientist. The real villain is Donald Pierce, the white Bishop of the Hellfire Club. Now Pierce, if I remember correctly, is a character who's gone through a lot of changes over the years as, the way, as, as he, an X-Men villain. He's currently cybernetic, I think. He's, oh, he's been, yeah, he's been, I think he's actually been cybernetic and I think he's had the vir- the technovirus. Yes, I, that was the last picture I saw. So, um, because the other member of the Hellfire Club, didn't we, wasn't uh, Kevin Bacon Sebastian Shaw? I know Kevin Bacon was in was in um, First Class and I think that his character yeah, was Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he was literally right. called to – the powers weren't quite – no, he was. He was – yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that's it. Uh, this just in that uh, uh, Variety reported that Disney is developing Don Quixote uh, as, as an action – historical action comedy in the vein of Fi- Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, not to be confused with uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which is a movie that Terry Gilliam has been trying to make for 20 years. But is uh, and is finally uh, getting to do again. It was originally um, cast as Johnny Depp. Ironically, it's like it's all coming back full circle, and now it is uh, Adam Driver playing as the as the twenty first century businessman who goes back in time to become Sancho Panza and discover the truth about Don Quixote. Uh, and if you want to watch a fantastic documentary about Terry Gilliam trying to make that movie with Terry, with Johnny Depp, Lost in La Mancha. Uh, yeah, I've heard about it a couple of times. A brilliant, a yeah. brilliant documentary because they filmed for a week, and ju- and before the disasters just piled upon, a piled upon, and Terry Gilliam lost his funding, like a week into shooting, mm-hmm. and so it and it's just uh, it's like you, it's one of those watching this movie about movies that cannot that you thought could never be made. Yeah, and it's just the tragedy of oh that would have been a really interesting movie, you know so. We shall see there. That's interesting. Um, Kevin Feige had to say, because this is uh, this happened a few months ago, that Wesley Snipes said that Marvel was talking to him about doing a character uh, coming back to the Marvel Universe. And uh, Kevin Feige said, don't look for Blade anytime soon. And it reminded me that one of the things, and I ran it on Fanboy Planet, they released preview art and character designs for Blade's daughter 
to top line a title called Blade, which has never materialized. Mm. So clearly they've been rethinking and trying to resort something. And as we start yeah. transitioning to the TV section, that's one of the things, too, is uh, Jeff Loeb has kind of hinted that maybe there's room on either ABC or Netflix for Ghost Rider to show up. And maybe that's where Blade would go and you can just do a Legion of Monsters. I think he'd actually do pretty good on S.H.I.E.L.D. I think Blade? That, yeah. yeah. Well, if, no, I, I, I think so. But I think that they'd rather that su- the supernatural characters yeah. have well, their own yeah, corner. Ghost Rider's already shown up on, on <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. I, mean, I know. Got, they got but that, I'm saying you can but do some stories. That you are, can spin yeah. Ghost Rider off into another series right. and bring in other supernatural right, characters right, that right. way. Right, yeah. And then the question is, would Wesley Snipe, Snipe still be Blade? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be. I think it's. So it would be okay. I'd love to see it. Uh, yeah. it's sort of like Mark Hamill returning to the Trickster, no matter how the Trickster <laughs> appears. Um, I had to explain to somebody who just said to me, "Like, did you see? Do you watch the Flash TV series? Mark Hamill appeared as this guy, the Tricker, the." And I said, "No, the Trickster, <laughs> the Tickler." And, and then I had to give that whole history and just like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." I was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's way cool." I mean, I caught last. Did you watch last week's revival of the Flash? Uh, the sec, uh, the third season opener. Yeah. The Flashpoint? Okay, story? the Flashpoint. Did yeah. you see who the police captain was in Flashpoint reality? Uh, not that I recall. He was Barry's sidekick in the first series. So oh, now really? every major actor from, from the, original the original series has appeared again. If they bring in David Cassidy as like the <laughs> Mirror Master's great uncle or something, I, I'm gonna, it, it's all over. But the thing is that Alex Desert was his name. He, uh, the actor's name, he was like Barry's police scientist friend, the only person who knew that Barry was, uh, uh-huh. you know, one of the uh, people. Um, he, I can't remember the character name, but it was the same character name. Just like there was a police officer in the first series who showed back up as the mayor in Central City in this se- in this series in season two with the Trickster episode was the cop that had fought the Trickster in the first series. And now he's the mayor of Central City. Same character, same actor. And that Amanda Pays is is the same character as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, you're playing with parallel universe stuff that I really, really want to see. It, it's nice because it doesn't really confuse it for most people, yeah. and it just tickles the people who. Know. And I want to apologize for listeners. I realize that I've got I've got a bad plosive problem tonight, which was exacerbated by saying plosive problem. I hear my peas popping, and I'm sorry. Uh, my fault. Sometimes uh, my lips just. You're gonna put a themselves. second screen up in front. My of My embouchure uh, occasionally re- resets itself without my realizing. Uh, so my TV stuff is is almost Supergirl centric completely. Did you watch the Fight Club? I watched the Fight Club, which was great, but it's apropos of nothing um, because I just thought it was awesome. It was awesome and a great ending. Of course, I watched it. I posted it. Do you recall that? No, it's posted on Fanboy. Planet. All right, it was. Uh, not the first day because you have to have the app. And this is my thing is people realize we talked about when Netflix signed a deal with, with CW. At the end of the se- – eight days after the season ends, the Netflix superhero show – the DC shows on CW will go to Netflix, the season. Oh, okay. Only eight days after. But here's the downside. that, And I knew this was going to happen. They're pulled from Hulu. Uh, so in order to watch online, you have to go to C- – uh, cwtv.com and watch there uh-huh. or download the app. So this is just a little public PSA. If you, like me, are addicted to the DC Hero shows on the CW, you have to get the app 
or go to their website to stream if you haven't watched them. Or you can go to iTunes and spend a two ninety nine an episode, which I had to do for Supergirl. Did you watch? Because I wanted to watch it on my big TV, and the only way I could do that because I had no streaming service that would do it any other way was to go to was just to go to at PlayStation to the right, PlayStation right. Network and buy it for two ninety nine. Did you watch Supergirl this week? Not yet, no. Okay, I I have to rave because actually a lot of my comics professional friends are raving too. Tyler Hecklin, who I said looks too wolfish. I don't like anything about him. No spit curl. Doesn't matter. He I has know. become... He is the right Superman for the 21st century. Okay. He is everything, just as that series has been. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no. It, no. It, it's like the continuation of the Richard Donner film. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, not right, no, not no, but they reference they reference all the things that happened in Superman the movie, as if they'd act, they'd happened in this. Wow! And just there's just a quick you know there are little throwaway lines, and if you know that's what it is, uh-huh. and you know they're they're all there, but it's moved way beyond that. He is the big brother, older cousin, and something about the dynamic of Kara and Kal El mm-hmm. that I hadn't really thought of is the thing about. Which, because I probably haven't followed the comics, Supergirl comics close enough to deal with this, is that she came to Earth expecting that he was going to be a baby. Right. And that she was going to take care of him. And so there's that reference of, wow, suddenly she's actually younger physically than him, but she still feels like there's a weird dynamic of, no, you're my baby cousin, but now you're the older one guiding me, and it's weird. Yeah. But the really cool thing, and I didn't even think about it until I saw somebody else comment. You know, I, I bring in a lot of uh, somebody else. I'm sort of like Donald Trump. Yeah. People are saying, I don't know who, but some people are saying. But someone else commented that it's like there's no question of – there's no sexism. There's no di- dynamic. There's an emergency that introduces Clark uh, Superman to the, to the live action at the beginning of the series, at the beginning of the episode – where there is no question, there's no fighting over who gets the credit, right, right, who right. needs to do this. They are already in sync. It's just boom. It is taken for granted. The only thing, you know, is that Supergirl is just as powerful as Superman. She's just not as secure in her abilities. And and but he, but not to him. He's like, yeah, of course you've got this. Of course you do. And it's just this perfect. And he captures. The things about Christopher Reeve that I'd want him to capture without being Christopher Reeve. Mm. And as much as I like Brandon Routh, Brandon Routh was not to his, not his fault. He was directed to be a Christopher sure. Reeve clone. Right. Tyler Hecklin is his own version of Superman, mm-hmm. and and yet it is everything that I would that I would want Superman except for the costume. Everything I would want Superman to be attitudinally. He saves people. He gives a damn about them all. It, and that's what I mean, is that's yeah. uh, unlike Man of Steel. That's what's been missing this in the is, movies. This is what's been missing from the movies, and yeah. here it is. And I told somebody again today, it's like, if you want to, if you didn't like Batman v Superman, but you like the ideas that it was trying to wrestle with, and that Man of Steel was legitimately trying to wrestle with, Supergirl has handled the very same themes so much more satisfyingly. Oh, yeah. So, you know, fulfill the idea of you don't have to compromise, you don't have to kill, you don't have to lose your nobility to question yourself, to doubt, and still come out stronger than the It's one of the, one of the cases where the restrictions on television, as far as what they have can show... Have made a better story. 
they are fitting with the with the characterization and the the, the basic themes and philosophies of the Superman myth. That's that's where we want it to be. And right. when you when you when you free up the creatives and say now you're doing a movie you can do whatever you want they lose track of the masturbatory i've said you know that's that's true you know and the here are the things in the myth that are there so they establish they give a reason why superman and the martian manhunter don't talk regularly and they have an explanation that actually i'm like no i can totally see that that's it's almost a little cw teen drama except it's characters in their 30s and 40s Uh uh-huh but I said, no, that's a really legitimate reason. And when they show at the beginning of the episode who's in the ship, and uh, did you do you know who it is? Because they had released who it was. I don't think so. But they don't name him in this episode. But okay. I, but um, it, I, I won't spoil it because they don't name him yet, but I know who it is. And I, was, and I thought, again, it's one of those things, like seeing Mira as a live-action character. It's like, there is no way... If you had told 10-year-old me that one day I would see on TV in live action in primetime, not an after-school syndicated thing, that this character would be on television, 10-year-old me would never have believed that. Yeah. He might have because he didn't. I don't know. 10-year-old you he was didn't probably understand. a little more optimistic. He didn't understand the way yeah. the business worked. Right, right. But uh, He had not had his soul crushed. I know. No. Sorry. Yes. It's been battered. It's been beaten. Okay. But gosh darn it. It's it resilient. is not crushed. Okay. Um, they did also release photos this week that said, and this is an interesting switch in which some people were upset, and I'm like, no, this is established by Supergirl. They're not beholden to what you think you know about continuity, but the Guardian will be making an appearance because they did say at the end of last season Cadmus Labs was involved. There is a Guardian. Yeah. They did announce who it, who which character that has already been on Supergirl is going to be the Guardian. It upset some people, but I I went. What else are you going to do with him right now? Yeah, you know. Did you see that? Do you, again, no, I didn't. I, I, didn't. I don't want to spoil it. For I, you. I've you not know. been I've not been hunting the stuff down. Guardian was one of my favorite characters during the Kirby Fourth World. Right. And partially, be, uh, it's it's just a cool idea for a character, but uh, he's like a, he's almost the same kind of you know. But it, it's, but it's not going to be Jim Harper or a clone. No, no. But but the idea. Anyway. At that time, they were doing the twenty-five cent comics, yeah. And what that meant for DC was it was about it was about twenty pages of news story and then reprints. And they did reprints from the old Kirby stories they were drawing from yes. to show, oh, like the news, Newsboy, Newsboy Legion, Legion. Yeah. with Jim with Jim Harper yeah. as the Guardian. And that was just so cool to go from a modern story, and then you get the backstory of the. The people who the current ones were and kids cloned today, from. They don't appreciate oh, that. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't have any reprint comics anymore. Well, you don't need them. We've got, got trade paperbacks. Yeah. But kids don't pick those up. And no. that's what's you know, that's what yeah. the shame is. That's why I really think DC needs to jump on the bandwagon, give and in. Do I don't know who's holding up. Do a digital. Yeah. Because kids will pick it up if it's on the web. Um Web comics, really Web comics. big with the kids. Yeah, funny that. Um, yeah. So you know, the fly, uh, the Arrow came back this week. DC's Legends of Tomorrow's is coming back tonight. They've got a show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, <laughs> and that's the same, and, and you can you can leap 
from them and go, I think Friday's now Lucifer on Fox. And, mm. of course, Monday, Gotham fights with Supergirl. So, yeah. you know, still. So, uh, it's too much. It's too much. But it, uh, I did watch The Flash second episode, post-Flashpoint this week, um, where we did get, at the snow spoilers, to say, a nice little appearance again from Jay Garrick. And it's another moment of, like, <laughs> that they've got that much in there that Jay Garrick is appearing and giving advice to Barry and piecing together. Oh yeah. I look like your dad. That must be hard. And it's just like, uh, yeah. and another character appears in costume again, a character that's been there for a long, long time, but appears in costume for the first time. And I was like, wow, not only did I never think it would happen. I didn't think I'd like it, but I love it that he finally did it. So there it is. Um, that's all we got to talk about for all of this this week. We thank Kevin and Andy for coming in to talk about Worldcon. And, of course, if you're listening to us uh, on iTunes or Google Play, do rate us, review us, subscribe, tell your friends. Also, if you something we've talked about you want to find uh, and you can't find your local brick-and-mortar store, you can follow the Amazon link on fanboyplanet.com. Uh, each and every page has a little box on the side, and absolutely use that. We get a small kickback, and the more you order through Fanboy Planet, the slightly less small that kickback becomes. Uh, and, of course, if you want to just help defray the cost of hosting Fanboy Planet and or its podcast, you can donate to uh, PayPal at with the email address of editor at fanboyplanet.com, which, of course, also if you have questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We will read your email on the air as long as it's not obscene. All right, thank you, because I don't need, I don't even want to go there. Anyway, so <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I'm Derek McCaw. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. We won't have outtakes from this session. <laughs> we don't do outtakes anymore, anymore at all. We do sometimes. You bastard. Um, <laughs> so no. Anyway. I mean, honestly, that is not that is the not owner, something that I would be embarrassed by saying. It's just know. amusing. Hmm? The owner's always the last to know, right? <laughs> it's more of a loose collective of however many personalities. An, are a narco-syndicalist <laughs> commune. I will do my best to remember that. <laughs> That's a Monty Python line. That's from uh, Life, not Life of Brian. Uh, Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. It's not as confusing well, as, a... confusing as an anarchist capitalist cooperative. No. We're ready. Oh my god. Are you ready? <laughs> I guess I'm ready. I mean, we you know we implied this what is... what high points do you I'm want? Ready. To get? I'm what? ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> That might make it the outtake. Go, Andy. Go, <laughs> Andy. That's SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. I so, needed to be more. I need to be more nasal for that. What but. high points do you want to?